We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Todd Around Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today from the Home Depot studios to talk to you about the Atlanta Falcons' new head football coach. If you're new to the show, please make sure you follow us on any major podcasting platform. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Email us, Sports at gmail.com. And of course, please do like and share with other people if you think this is actually a decent show. So the Atlanta Falcons have a new head football coach. Former Titans offense coordinator Arthur Smith is going to become only the uh, fifth head coach formerly hired by Arthur Blank because, you know, we've had some interim coaches. Raheem Morris obviously being an interim coach this past season. And the truth is, as much as Falcons Twitter has dumped on it and some Falcons fans have showed their butts about the fact that we didn't hire the person that they thought was a hot candidate, there is a whole lot of reasons that Falcons fans should be really excited about this hire. So uh, Arthur Smith is a 38-year-old journeyman assistant coach. He replaces, you know, Raheem Morris, who was the interim coach after Dan Quinn was fired. And what's interesting about the hire is that Smith is the first offensive-minded head coach that Blank has hired since that unspeakable Bobby Petrino disaster that was the 2007 season. So for whatever reason, the Falcons have a history of defensive head coaches. If you go back to Mike Smith was a defense coordinator, Dan Quinn was a defense coordinator, there just haven't been a lot of offensive-minded coaches that we've hired. Um, even Bobby Petrino, obviously, was an offensive genius. And I do think that had Bobby Petrino not quit on the Falcons after 11 games, that he could have been successful here. But he thought he was coming here to coach Mike Vick. And when that didn't work out, he took he tucked the tail and took off for the Arkansas job on his motorcycle. Um, anyways, Arthur Smith, who is he? So this is probably pretty common knowledge at this point, but he's a son of the FedEx founder, Fred Smith, and he played offensive line for the, for the University of North Carolina from 01 to 05, and he transitioned right into a position as a graduate assistant there, and then he served in a bunch of uh, off-field roles for the Redskins, the Old Miss, and Tennessee Titans before being promoted to an on-field coach with the Titans in 2013. A lot of his roles had to do with being like an analyst or a quality control coach, so he he was an analyst for, I think, both sides of the ball for Tennessee before he finally got promoted to being an on-field coach with the O-line and tight ends. And what's fascinating and unique about his journey is that Smith worked under four different coaching regimes in Tennessee, starting back as early as 2011. So he went through three head coaching changes. Like, that doesn't happen. And each head coach that came in promoted him. So... Clearly, people in that organization saw something very, very promising in him, which is worth noting. So, as for his uh, actual resume, Smith followed Wonder Boy Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator for the Titans in 2019. Now, if the, the name Matt LaFleur sounds familiar to, to you, it should because he was the Falcons quarterback's coach under Kyle Shanahan, the guy that we should have offered the offensive coordinator position to when Shanahan left to become a head coach of the 49ers, but we didn't. We did not go from that position, and so he left and moved on and became offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. So now, if you recognize the name Matt LaFleur, it's because his team, and this is being recorded on Sunday, is currently playing the NFC Championship game for the second year in a row in his second year as head coach. Um, and Matt LaFleur has amassed a 27-7 and record through his first two seasons. Uh, and... 
he's helped Aaron Rodgers enjoy the best statistical season of his ridiculously decorated Hall of Fame career at age 37. So I gave you that background to tell you that this is the guy that Arthur Smith replaced. And when he replaced LaFleur as OC, drastically improved the Titans offense. So the second significant thing is that that means that Smith is a schematic descendant of the Kyle Shanahan uh, offensive school where there's a heavy emphasis on run and play action as well as using motions and shifts to generate mismatches and blocking angles. So let's give you a few stats with the Matt LaFleur Titans offenses. In 2017, the Titans offense with Matt LaFleur at the head was 18th in scoring and 23rd in yardage. The next year, they were 27th in scoring and 25th in yardage. 2019, Arthur Smith takes over. Titans jump up to 10th in scoring and 12th in yardage. And then this past season, 2020, they end up as 4th fourth in scoring and 2nd in yardage. Now, there's always context to these kind of numbers. So the two seasons that Matt LaFleur was offense coordinator included two really injury-riddled campaigns for Marcus Mariota and a rapidly declining DeMarco Murray and a Derrick Henry who had yet to tap into like those mutant-like abilities that we see him putting on display now. Derrick Henry wasn't that dude yet. That said, those numbers aren't even close. Um, the Matt LaFleur offense is pale in comparison to what's missed in the last two years. And, you know, in the 2020 season, the Titans ranked fourth in the league during the regular season with 30.7 points per game under Smith and uh, ended up third in total, second or third in total yardage. So the big thing with the Titans, and everybody thinks about this, is, okay, well, they can run the ball. And they did. They ran the ball to the tune of 168 yards per game, second only to Baltimore. And that's, of course, skewed because Baltimore has a quarterback that runs for 1,000 yards every season. So obviously they're going to be an elite rushing team. But... Buck Hawk has a great article. It takes a deeper look into Smith's numbers. I won't read to you the entire excerpt, but it is posted in, but it is posted in the actual full-length article that this is based off of. So I wrote the article, and this article is posted on our website. There's a link in the description. And the biggest thing you need to know about the Arthur Smith offense is how efficient they were in the red zone. So that's measured by the percentage of red zone drives that end up in touchdowns. So in 2019, the Titans led the league with an incredible like 76% efficiency or 75.6% efficiency, which was tops in the league by miles. And it kind of seemed like it was an aberration until they did it again this year and finished with 75% red zone efficiency, which this year ended up second in the NFL to the Green Bay Packers. And that is without question, without question, the biggest difference between the Arthur Smith offense and the Dirk Cutter offenses that we've watched the last two years where we finished 51.7% in red zone efficiency last season and 53.4% in red zone efficiency this year, which is why we had a kicker that led the league in field goals made. Because when you're kicking 35, 39 field goals a season, that tells you that your offense ain't getting it done in the red zone. And again, imagine if you were just average in the red zone you know, in the 60s, in the mid-60s, you know, that's might be four or five touchdowns a year. And four or five touchdowns over the course of the season may drastically change your record. So the biggest thing to be excited about as far as Smith's immediate on-field impact is that he is going to help fix the Falcons' red zone woes. We may not be number one in the league converting on 75% of our drives for touchdowns inside the red zone, but again, we won't be 25th and 26th like we have in the last couple of years. 
And, you know, I mentioned this at the end of the season podcast, but the best way to be efficient in the red zone is a strong running game. And five of the top six red zone offenses, which were Green Bay, Tennessee, Seattle, Cleveland, New Orleans, and Minnesota, they had elite run games. They all ranked in the top eight of the league in rushing yards per game. And it always helps when you have a guy like a Derrick Henry or a Dalvin Cook or an Alvin Kamara. But the right scheme and good offensive line play can do the same thing, which is why you can get elite production out of people like Matt Brana and Raheem Mustard, as the 49ers did last year when they went to the Super Bowl. And they were a top three offense, and their backfield was being led by guys that most people had never even heard of before this season or that season. So, circling back around to Derrick Henry, it's also worth pointing out that, you know, for everybody that's going to be like, well, you know, it's easy to have a great red zone offense to run the ball well, be dominant when you have a freak of nature like Derrick Henry back there. But, you know, you take a closer look at it and you realize that Derrick Henry's first two seasons in Tennessee, he totaled 2,293 rushing yards and 22 touchdowns. Um, this year alone, he went over 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. So, yards per carrier higher his last two years with Arthur Smith, two highest rushing totals of his career. So, I mean, you know, maybe Derrick Henry isn't making Arthur Smith. Maybe it's the other way around, question mark. But the point being that under Smith's direction, Derrick Henry has transformed into a superstar. Ryan Tannehill, who was sent away from Miami of all places, thrown on the scrap heap. He's resurrected his career, got himself paid. Johnny Smith, who spent two years as a backup tight end there in Tennessee, didn't do much anything, just had a career high in catches, yards, and touchdowns. Caught eight touchdowns this year. And then Corey Davis, who was considered a very, very disappointing first-round draft pick for the Titans, just put together a career year catching the football, finished 16 yards short of 1,000 yards, and if he doesn't get banged up at the end of the season, easily tops 1,000 yards. So the summary is very simply that every skill position on Tennessee – played their most productive football under Arthur Smith. And we're talking about guys that were there under other coaches. And they did better under him than under LaFleur, who is clearly a good coach. And so when you look at that, what you see is that Smith has taken good, but but not great, good personnel and generated elite production. I mean, top of the league production. And while Atlanta fans just... And on the flip side, us fans here in Atlanta just watched one of the best offensive rosters in the NFL finish middle of the league in points per game and show great inconsistency from week to week. And the frustrating thing is that when you look at the Titans roster, other than Derrick Henry, is there a single player from the Titans' skill positions that you would take over what the Falcons have? I mean, you're not taking A.J. Brown over Julio Jones if it's a one-year thing. I mean, I know A.J. Brown's younger, but, I mean, A.J. Brown has had his first 1,000-yard season. Are you taking are you taking Corey Davis over Calvin Ridley? I mean, is Johnny Smith really that much better than Hurst? I just I just look at that personnel and I'm like, I mean, that's a solid unit. But there's not anybody in there that people are going to be beating down the door to get other than Derrick Henry. And I'm just telling you, if that group can be a top four offense, you're going to tell me that Matt, Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and whoever we get at running back, can't get us back into, I don't know, the top 10. <laughs> I just think there's a lot of room for growth with the talent that we have in offense, even with an aging quarterback in Matt Ryan. So for my skeptic friends, I've already heard this, but you're going to get some kind of comment about, well, you know, that's offensive base and play action. That's nice if you have Derrick Henry and if you can run the ball effectively. But the Falcons are 
average to slightly below average in the offensive line. We have nobody in the backfield that is explosive running the ball. Todd Gurley clearly showed his age into the year. Um, <laughs> Brian Hill's about to be a free agent. We don't know if Edo Smith can stay healthy. Like, what makes you think that we can have that kind of success here, especially with an offense built on play action? My response to that is, while running the ball effectively is a big key to successful play action, it's actually not the only key. So one of the beauties of the outside zone run scheme that's used by the McVay-Shanahan-Smith school is that it uses movement at the line of scrimmage to complement back foot action. So most people picture play action as, you know, you jab the ball in the stomach of Derrick Henry, you pull it out, draw the linebackers and safeties up, and throw the ball past them. That's true, but in some of the more in some of the most effective play action schemes, the backfield action is paired with hard run steps by the offensive linemen and tight ends that get second level position uh, that get second level defenders out of position. So you'll see a Titans play where they fake power, they'll pull the right guard, then the eyes of the linebackers go to the pool, and the tight end fakes a down block and releases down the seam untouched. Or it's second and two, and you get a hard zone right by all of the offensive linemen. The tight end steps right like he's going to scoop block, and then before you know it, he's leaving down the seam. That's the kind of stuff that this offense is designed to do, to not just create mismatches by getting you to look at the backfield and see the ball being faked, which you're probably not doing anyway if you're in NFL safety, but getting you the run motion that sucks you up and opens up opportunities for mismatches down the field. That's what this offense does. Now, you won't see quite as much bootleg action with Arthur Smith as you did with Shanahan. That was one of the big criticisms of Shanahan. He's like, why do you have an unathletic quarterback like Matt Ryan bootlegging every third play? And that's a big part of the Shanahan, the Shanahan and McVay school. And you won't see quite as much of that out, out, out of Arthur Smith. But what you will see a lot of is them using especially two tight end sets and bunch sets where you'll get a fake down block or a fake reach block or a fake scoop block. And then they get those tight ends out on routes to get them open. So this all goes to explain why the scheme itself allowed Ryan Tannehill and the Titans to be the second most efficient team in the NFL in play action. It's not just Derrick Henry. It's the way the plays are designed. Now, having said all that, even if you're a Falcons fan that is optimistic that Arthur Smith can fix our offense, quote-unquote, Every Falcons fan knows that it's been the other side of the ball that has derailed the last three seasons of Falcons football. And ultimately, it's the other side of the ball that got Dan Quinn fired because he couldn't fix it. So the big question is, it's great to have an offensive mind in here, but what will Arthur Smith do to fix a defense with no pass rush and very, very little playmaking in the secondary, plus almost zero cap space because – the cap will not go up this year. We are simply praying that it stays flat, which puts the Falcons in salary cap purgatory, meaning there is not a chance to add impact defenders in free agency without some major, major cost-cutting moves. So in the absence of elite talent and the money needed to add it, it does help to bring in an experienced high-caliber coordinator, someone that's kind of like Dean Pease, who just took the job with us officially on Thursday. And if you don't know that name, Dean Pease, it's okay. I didn't either. Um, but his resume is really kind of ridiculous. He's coordinated two Super Bowl champion defenses, the Patriots in uh, 04 and the Ravens in uh, 2012. 
and in his 12 years as a coordinator, his units have finished top 12 in scoring defenses, top 12 in scoring defense 11 times. His track record is stellar. He basically automatically guarantees you a top 10 defense. <laughs> I mean, which is crazy to think about as a Falcons fan. Pease also um, bases out of a 3-4, which would seem like it isn't the best fit for the Falcons to have been a 4-3 defense for the last six years or so. But when you take a closer look at the personnel on the roster, you realize that, you know, Dante Fowler, who just came over to the Falcons in 2020 from the L.A. Rams, well, in 2019, when he had his career high in sacks, he was playing as a 3-4 outside linebacker. And 2020 draft pick Michael Walker, who was one of the highest-rated rookie linebackers in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, he was a 3-4 outside linebacker at Fresno State, played a whole lot with his hand on the ground rushing the passer, which was one of the reasons it was interesting to see that his strength as a rookie was pass drops because it's something he wasn't asked to do a whole lot of in college. So you already have two pieces there that can play those outside linebacker hybrid spots, which is usually the, the, the position that's hardest to find. The other position that's hard to find is the nose, which is going to be a challenge because Grady Jarrett is really a true three-technique defensive tackle. Playing on the nose where you're double-teamed a lot and you're supposed to essentially be a space eater that allows your linebackers to run doesn't seem like the perfect fit for Grady. I'm sure he could do it because he's an animal. I mean, Aaron Donald does it. But uh, Grady Jarrett ain't Aaron Donald. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the best use of his skills. He seems to do well more as – he seems to do better as a penetrating defensive tackle. But I think we'd be okay at defensive end because you have some tweener defensive linemen like John Kaminsky, who's kind of in between a true defensive uh, tackle and defensive end, and Marlon Davison, who's a classic tweener. Um, they seem real, really well suited to kick outside of six techniques in a new scheme. So there are some pieces there, and really importantly is you need inside linebackers that can run, and the Falcons certainly have that in Deion Jones and Foye Aluakon. So the transition may not be quite as sharp as it might seem at first, but at the end of the day, you're playing your base defense, what, 40% of the snaps for the season. I mean, nickel is the base in the NFL these days, so you're kind of nitpicking if you're arguing over who fits where and personnel that you're only going to use for, you know, 40 45% of your snaps. But there is reason to be excited if you're Falcons fans about the Peace hire because, again, if Jeff Ulbrich can get us to play at least competent defense for the second half of the year, which is what we got. I mean, we weren't, the Falcons weren't good on defense, but they went from being just horrible to just like passably bad. Then I can absolutely believe that Dean Pease, who has only had one defense that finished outside the top 12, and that was in 2019 with the Titans. He's only had one defense that finished outside the top 12, can get the Falcons to a top 10-ish area. And we are a defense that does have some ability in the front seven, although – I don't know how you fix our secondary with no free agency. You have to nail the draft because there's just not a lot back there at the corner position. So, backing up, let's put a bow on all this. What can we expect from the Arthur Smith administration? And I wrote down six observations. One, there'll be a commitment to running the football. Two, there will be improved red zone efficiency. I think that's a guarantee, both of those things. Three, I think you'll see a lot more fullback and tight end usage. And I would expect to see us upgrade at fullback from Key Smith. Key Smith, hard-nosed player. I don't think he's a great run blocker. Uh, he catches the ball well, but I think we can upgrade there, especially as much as I think the fullback's going to be used moving forward. And the Falcons are going to have to get another number two tight end that's actually a passing threat because, I mean, Luke Stalker just didn't have a great year blocking, and he's not much of a receiving threat. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons go add another tight end that can catch. I think Hayden Hurst 
this move is going to be really good for him. Um, number four, I think there'll be a significant shift in defensive philosophy. We'll see more pressures. Uh, I think we'll we'll be a lot more versatile, like what we saw in the second half of the year with Ulbrich. More people playing different roles. I think for, number five is that there will be immediate, but probably modest defense improvement. I don't know that Pace can get us from 31st or 32nd in pass defense up to like you know 18 or 19, but. I, there's not much chance we're going to be worse than we're on defense this year. When we've been pretty good against the run the last couple of years, but that's partially because people haven't had to run the ball against us. But I think it's safe to say that there will be immediate, but probably modest defense improvement. And again, that's not saying much. And then I think that number six is that there will be a consistent scheme and voice for the twilight of Matt Julio's careers. So for the last however many years we have Matt Ryan, we know it's probably at least two, maybe three. He's going to have one offense coordinator, one voice. And for Julio, if he finishes up this contract with us, the last few years of his career will have one consistent scheme and one consistent voice. And I think that if all goes well, it can really help prolong and maximize the last couple of years of their career. So I'm a fan of the Arthur Smith signing for several reasons. One, we had to get an offensive coach. And we've talked about this before, but it's worth saying again. If you go hire a defensive coach, and I love Raheem Morris, but if you hire a defensive coach, if you get him, you get Robert Sala, one of those guys, you have to go hire an offensive coordinator that's killer, and if he's really good at his job, he's gone in two years. And we're resetting this whole thing again. So I know that people wanted Eric Bieniemy. I was on board with the Eric Bieniemy pick. I think ultimately one of the big factors is the fact that he did not call his own plays in Kansas City, and that does matter. And the fact that he would not be in to get started with the Falcons program for probably another two weeks because the Chiefs are probably, you know, we don't know this for fact. This is being filmed on, this is being recorded on Sunday. Chiefs are probably going to go to the Super Bowl, in which case you've got to wait another two or three weeks to get him in house. And I do think that's mattered to the Falcons and getting their GM and Terry Fontenot in and getting their head coach in so they can get to work. So I know Smith wasn't the sexiest pick on the market. But with his offensive track record and the killer stat that he's assembling, there's a great article in the Falcon Hawk about the people that he's bringing in. I think the Rise Up Nation should be full of nothing but optimism for the 2021 season and beyond. So this is David Bethay with the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.